for freedom. Christ set us free. So stand firm and do not submit to the world. These are the words of St. Paul in our second reading. And as we approach the day of freedom in our country, our Independence Day, I was praying over the notion of freedom. What, is, what kind of freedom are, actu- are we actually celebrating in America? It used to be a freedom to uphold the Constitution, to be ruled by law, to have a moral grounding within our country. But now it seems that we're holding up a different idea of freedom. I asked my high school students when I used to teach, I said, what, what is freedom? <clears throat> and inevitably, they would always say, well, it's being able to do whatever you want. And I'm like, are you sure that's your final answer? And they said, yes. And I said, then by that definition, right now, I could punch you in the face just because I wanted to. And they said, well, no, Father, you can't do that. And I'm like, why? Freedom is to do whatever I want. I want to punch you in the face. He's like, yeah, but you can't do that. And I'm like, oh, I get it. So you want to do whatever you want, but I have to follow rules. You can't have it both ways. So freedom can't just be doing whatever we want. The biblical understanding of freedom that St. Paul is talking about is not freedom from something. It's freedom for something. That's why he says, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Sin enslaves us, takes away our freedom to be human. What Paul is talking about is a freedom for holiness. Because you're not ruled by anything. You're not a slave to anything. So in order for real freedom to exist, interior freedom has to first exist. That you and I are free from sin. If we think that doing whatever we want is going to lead to freedom, we are sadly mistaken. It is going to lead to chaos in society and slavery in each individual human. But here's the problem. The secular world sees any type of discipline or rule as an impingement on their freedom. Therefore, the more we live the Christian life, the more they are going to hate us. Because our lives, by the way we live them, say you can't do whatever you want. There is actually a rule that governs humanity, and we call it Christianity. I recently came across a writing by Tacitus. I don't know if you know who he is. Tacitus was a Roman historian. And he wrote this little bit that I'm going to read to you right after Nero burned Rome to the ground. And he was blaming the Christians. Tacitus writes this. After being accused for setting fire to Rome, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians. Accordingly, an arrest was first made of all who pleaded guilty. Then upon their information, an immense multitude was convicted. So what happened? They got a few Christians, tortured them mercilessly until they gave up names, and then they gathered them all together. Then he says, and this is why I was so amazed by this. He said, they were convicted not so much of the crime of burning the city, as of their hatred of humanity. I'm going to say that again. 
they were not convicted so much of burning Rome to the ground, but more so because of their hatred of mankind. Christians hate mankind. That was the conviction. How is that possible if you listen to the gospel? We just read. Jesus says the whole law and the prophets is summed up in what? In what? Love God, love of neighbor. Correct. How can that religion be convicted of hatred of mankind? And the reason I was so amazed by this reading is because 2,000 years ago, the early Christians were persecuted for their hatred of humanity. 21st century? What are we persecuted for? What is the church always accused of? Hatred. The gay community says that we hate them. The liberal feminist community says we hate them. It should sound familiar. Christians have always been accused of hatred because we espouse that humans have to be run by law and that this law governs us. The hatred was shown to Christians simply because they refused to participate in the immorality of the empire. The early Christians wouldn't participate in immoral acts. They wouldn't participate in homosexuality. They wouldn't participate in drunken orgies. They wouldn't participate in whatever immoral thing was going on in Rome. And I would argue right now, the immorality of the Roman Empire during the time of the early Christians is about the same right now in America. And the worse morality gets, the more Christians will be persecuted and hatred. We are presently facing this situation. We are made out to hate mankind because of all types of moral issues. In the case of contraception and abortion, We hate women. We hate women. That's the mantra. And their bodies and their rights over their bodies. In the case of euthanasia, we are enemies of mankind because we say, you should suffer instead of letting people kill themselves. In the case of gay marriage, we are enemies of mankind because we simply say that marriage is between one man and one woman. And my friends, these convictions that we hold up, they're not ours. They're Jesus's. One of my first weddings I preached, I preached, there was a little part in there where I, I said, I, you know, basically condemned contraception, which is the Catholic stance, in case anybody's wondering, okay? <clears throat> Got outside, and this lady came up to me just screaming in, in my face, who do you think you are? And I'm like, I'm a Catholic priest. <laughs> <clears throat> and she's like, I got a real problem with you. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> time out, what's up? And she's like, you and your, you know, your view of contraception. I'm like, whoa, ma'am, excuse me, you don't have a problem with me. You have a problem with Jesus. So you need to go talk to him. He's in there. And she did not like that. <laughs> she was extremely mad about that. But it's this automatic hatred. I had a friend out on the East Coast there were some sisters, I think it was the Sisters of Life, they were defending the dignity of marriage in a court case. And when they came out of the courthouse, there were gay activists outside that came up and he said, they said to the sister, shame on you, sister, for hating us. Not, there wasn't even the consideration that we're holding 
particular religious convictions or that maybe we have a different opinion or whatever. It was hate, immediately hate. To say anything, you watch, this is going to happen. To say anything against the homosexual community, the LGBTQ community, in the near future will be considered hate speech. It will be a crime. And we don't hate them. We love them. We're just saying what you're doing is not good for you or the society. And I would say that the same to a heterosexual man or woman that is sexually promiscuous. We have have to, as Paul says, stand firm. Because once a group is branded like this, the weight of persecution is paved. And we have been branded. You should see, just me wearing my clerics. Most of the time people are like, hey, Father, how are you doing? I have had several encounters in the airport where people have freaked out on me. And I did nothing. I was eating Chinese food. <laughs> I was just sitting eating Chinese food and this lady was just, you could just see her just building, building. She's like, I got a problem with you. And I'm like, whoa, like in the food court. And I'm like, I'm, I'm eating Chinese food. Does that bother you? And then it was this huge thing about marriage and divorce. People are so confused right now. And so what's going to fix this? The church is going to fix this. The church is going to fix this. The saints are going to fix this. You and I standing firm in our faith, witnessing in love to the truths of what we as humans are supposed to be about. That's what's going to save us. Holiness. But do you stand up? Do you speak? At the workplace? At parties? Over coffee? When people are spouting off about something that's just not true in the faith, do you you speak up? Do you know your faith enough to speak up? We must witness to the dignity of life. We must witness to the dignity of marriage. We must encourage people to live lives of virtue and holiness. We must stand strong on every moral issue. We must train our children to live virtuous lives of chastity and prayer. And we will be hated for this. And in some way we should rejoice. Because Jesus said, if they hate you, remember they hated me first. One of my favorite quotes, Winston Churchill, he said, never trust a man with no enemies because he stands for nothing. How true that is. And you know what else? This is my last thing, I promise. A little bit of a soapbox. You know what else drives me nuts is the world takes our stuff Our stuff that we brought into the world for the good of humanity, they take it, they make it theirs, and they push Christ out. Hospitals. Ours. We came up with that idea. Universities. Ours. We came up with that idea. I mean, think about cities. San Francisco. That means St. Francis. You don't speak of the Spanish. Los Angeles, the city of the angels. San Diego. St. James, I think. San Antonio, St. Anthony, they're everywhere. St. Paul. All of these cities were founded on Christ. The scientific method. It's ours. 
Wine? Be- beer? We didn't make beer, but we perfected it. The monks did, anyway. The Catholic Church owes more property than any person, company, or organization on the planet. And what happened to our universities? What happened to our hospitals? What happened to Los Angeles, San Francisco, San Antonio? What happened to them? We let it go. We let it go. But here's the good news. We can win it back. If we heed St. Paul and stand firm in our faith and do not submit to the lies of the world. And that's going to take some work. Some educating. Because for the past 40 years, the church has done an awful job of educating. Awful. And I take responsibility for that. It was the leadership that did an awful job. But we can win it back. But the road will be difficult. The late Cardinal Francis George of Chicago once said, I expect to die in my bed. My successor will more than likely die in prison. And his successor will die a martyr in the public square. But his successor will pick up the shards of a ruined society and slowly help rebuild civilization once again, as the church has so often done in human history. So my friends, stand firm in your faith. Do not submit to the world. Don't back down. But transform it through your authentic freedom that you possess in Christ.